Welcome to another episode of Mama Earth Talk. I'm your host, Maris Canal. Realizing just how much waste we generate on a daily basis, I've set a personal goal not only to reduce, reuse, and recycle, but to also educate the world about sustainability and how each of us can help preserve our beautiful planet. Thanks for listening. Let's dig in. Did you know that renewable power consumption grew by 17% in 2017, providing 8% of the world's electricity? Our guest today is a serial entrepreneur, founder, and chairman of the Neutral Group and CEO of Neutral Fuels. Crazy birds, without any further ado, I would like to welcome Carl Fielder. Hi there. How are you doing? Welcome to the podcast. So, Carl, how did your sustainable journey actually start? Oh my golly gosh. I've been starting and selling businesses for my whole career. And I got to the end of 2006, and I just sold an encryption company. And I went on holiday with my wife and my kids. And my wife said, you have to do something more important than making money. And I said, darling, what's more important than making money? And she said, well, you got to work out how to save the planet. And I said, but nobody's ever made any money saving the planet. And she said, well, if you think you're so blooming clever, work out how to save the planet and make money. And that was literally the start. We were on an island in the middle of the Atlantic having a holiday. I'd taken my laptop. And by the time we got back from that holiday, I'd formed a company, I'd formed a holding company, I'd employed four people and I put up a website and decided that I was going to spend the rest of my natural days trying to save the planet for my kids. Wow. Well, I have to say, first of all, on a holiday, was it then a good holiday? <laughs> it, was, it was a fairly typical holiday for me, which doesn't involve much of what most people call a holiday. It involved uh, sitting around complaining about being bored for the first couple of days. And then once I'd got something to do, save the planet, it really switched into high gear. So I then got internet access, started reading. This was the end of 2006. So Inconvenient Truth had just come out. Government in the UK was starting to talk about the fact that climate change was very serious. We had one of the UN FCCC reports saying that it was purely anthropogenic, that we really should be taking this seriously. And Marks and Spencer's had just launched Plan A because there is no Plan B. The time was very focused on sustainability. The problem was pretty much as soon as we all got serious about it in the start of 2007, the global economy fell off a cliff and everybody started worrying about money again and not so much about saving the planet. But we were then already committed and we were getting going and we got going. And our first partnership was with DHL. In the start of 2007, I was asked by the CEO of DHL to have a look at their global carbon footprint and see what they could do to reduce it over the next 10 years. And that started a three-year program that took us all over the world and took us to investigating somewhere approaching 300 different technologies that could be applied in a commercial environment to actually reduce carbon footprint and help reduce climate change. Wow, that sounds amazing. So you are then also the founder and the chairman of Neutral Group. And so you've just mentioned you've worked with DHL, but what other type of projects do you guys do? When we started, our conclusion, unfortunately, was that we were all doing it wrong. And here we sit a few years later, it's now 12 years, 13 years later. And I would say that in 1992, the United Nations hosted the Rio 
Earth Summit. That led to the Kyoto Protocol. And 28 years later, the commitment of Rio, which was to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, greenhouse gas emissions have gone up 40% in the meantime. As a businessman, if you set a goal 28 years ago, 26 years ago, and you've missed it by 40%, as a businessman, you would claim it's not working. The United Nations seems to think that the this means we should just work harder. I prefer to go back to the old Einsteinian thing. If you're doing something and it isn't working, then do something different. My conclusion from this is that climate change, while it is anthropogenic, that it's actually not the general public that we have to persuade to do something different. There's a very interesting statistic from the guys that are collecting corporate carbon footprint data for the last 10 years. And their statistic is that 71% of climate change greenhouse gas emissions since 1988, 71% has been caused by 100 companies. So if 71% of our problem is only 100 companies, why are we trying to get 192 countries to agree on where they meet in Poland or indeed what the Paris Climate Change Accord means? If I can get 100 people in a room or even 100 people over 100 cups of coffee to just decide they're going to do something different. So the neutral group's mission is to work with large organizations to get their leaders to make fundamentally different business decisions, which then have massive impact on climate change. So with DHL, when we started with DHL, our first job was to work out what's the carbon footprint of DHL as an organization. And in 2006, DHL's base year that we collected the data for, the carbon footprint was 33 million tons in that year, which as a number doesn't really mean anything. But that 33 million tons in 2006 represented the same carbon footprint as 46 countries put together. The United Nations recognizes, depending on the day of the week, 192 countries, give or take. So about a quarter of the world's countries carbon footprint was exactly the same as one of the world's biggest companies. And I had the CEO of Deutsche Post, the parent company, and the CEO of DHL every month for a cup of coffee to persuade them to change. And they did. We worked out what the challenges were. We got them to agree to a 5% per year reduction. And I believe that getting businesses to make those sort of sensible business changes is a lot simpler way of us actually solving the global challenge. So that's what Neutral Group is about, is trying to help big companies change. Since we started with DHL, we then did some work for IKEA, we did some work for Marks and Spencers, we've done a lot of stuff for McDonald's, and we've done a lot of stuff for large organizations that have a reach into nearly every country of the world. Wow, that sounds amazing. Yeah, I think, you know, there's so many of these companies that are polluting and, you know, they're the main guys that's why our country or whole planet is in such a state and you know it's no point sometimes we think you know that it's if us as individuals we do our part yes that helps but if we don't get these companies that actually are the main cause you know what are we doing <laughs> so i think it's wonderful that there is companies like yours that exist that you know take the time and talk to these guys and get to kind of a solution because it's obvious that there's a lot of stuff in the past have not worked yes i mean the, the trying to persuade the general public to do anything is almost impossible i am encouraged because trying to get people to give up plastic drinking straws has been a fairly successful campaign one photo of a sea turtle with a straw up its nose has made a massive change to happen worldwide sea turtles and drinking straws are not going to make the planet a better place to live 
sadly, we're addressing the wrong problem with that. But I am encouraged that we managed to get a message out around the world and get people to do something. But on the whole, if I can get one of the world's largest companies to reduce their carbon footprint by 5% every year based on having a cup of coffee a few times, rather than having to do Paris climate change agreements and get all the politicians to sit around and pontificate for a long time, that's got to be better. And come back to something you said, I I don't think we should necessarily see these large organizations as bad guys and say that they've caused it or they've done that. They've done what they would normally do in a capitalist economy, which globally pretty much we are. They've done whatever their shareholders wanted them to do, which is to make money. What is now happening and through various pressure groups at the financial level, their shareholders are now saying to them, okay, we want you to make us money, but we want you to do it in a cleaner, greener way. And they just need help on showing how to do that. And this is the second message for Neutral Group, which is our job is to try and introduce those large organizations to the entrepreneurial innovations that will help them get there. And that's why we started Neutral Fuels. In the Middle East, there was nobody doing biofuels. Biofuels is well established as a concept in America and in Europe. But in the Middle East, people thought that we were mad. We said, we're going to put together a biofuels operation in the fossil fuel capital of the world. And they said, you've got to be bonkers. So no, I just think that there's a lot of well-meaning people here who actually will respond to a sensible proposition. So we recycle waste from the UAE in a factory in the UAE to fuel that we use in the UAE, and we're able to reduce people's carbon footprint dramatically. And if you look at really the the sort of delivery of our promise. In the last eight years, we've reduced carbon footprint of McDonald's transportation system to zero. So in the UAE, in the last eight years, if you've bought a burger and fries at a McDonald's restaurant, the transportation carbon footprint of getting that burger and fries there from the warehouse has been zero. And the customers have done nothing. They were unaware of it. Mm -hmm. They haven't chosen to do anything. It hasn't cost them any extra money. They didn't need to order anything different. It just happened. And that's what we need to do internationally. We need to persuade people that are using plastic things for, I don't know, a Starbucks cup of coffee. Let's persuade them to have a biodegradable plastic rather than a plastic that's going to pollute the planet for the next thousand years. Maybe invest in a reusable option, then they don't have to throw anything away. (laughs) Maybe. um, There are challenges that customers... You need to change customer behavior in order to get them to use something that's reusable. If you use a bioplastic that's biodegradable, the customer doesn't have to change their way of behaving. They are automatically only able to use something that's green. Yeah. Yeah. And that's my view on the sort of psychology of climate change and carbon footprint reduction is that changing people's behavior is blooming hard. Mm -hmm. And whilst your crazy bird audience might be the sort of people that will change their behavior, unfortunately, they're in the minority. And the majority, who are the biggest polluters on the planet, are not going to change their behavior. So my only view is, let's just take away the choice. Yeah, don't, yeah. don't give them the option of doing something dirty. Give them a clean, green alternative that's simply as good or better than what they were using before. Exactly. And so you were saying about the biofuel that you guys were the first to start it here in the UAE, just like out of like curiosity, or if you can explain a little bit more, like what is the main differences? Like if you had no clue about what is biofuel, what is the main differences between the biofuel and normal fossil fuel? So fossil fuels were created 300 million years ago when animals and plants and plankton and various things died, fell to the bottom of the ocean and were squidged by heat and pressure to form into crude oil. That forms 
molecules, which are called hydrocarbons, which are chains of carbon and hydrogen atoms. And those are burnt in our normal cars and it turns into, into petrol and diesel. Our biofuel uses the same animals and plants, just ones that died more recently. So they're the ones that we would use in our cooking. So if you fry French fries, you probably fry it in uh, sunflower oil if you're being healthy or palm oil if you're not being healthy. And when you finish frying, you throw that oil away. It's already achieved its primary purpose of being a cooking fluid. We take that oil, which is comprised of vegetable triglycerides. We chemically change it using a chemical reaction and make it look like a normal hydrocarbon molecule. So it looks like a normal diesel molecule. It's a little bit better than the diesel molecule because one of the atoms in the chain is actually an oxygen atom, which means when it burns in the engine, it's got oxygen in it, so it burns a bit better. It's also, because it's a bit fresher, it's a bit more slippery as a molecule than normal diesel, so it makes your engine last longer. So you're using a waste material rather than bringing up a dead 300 million year old material. We're using a waste material that would otherwise probably be dumped, turning it today into a fuel that you can run in a normal vehicle without changing the engine. You get the same fuel consumption and your engine lasts a bit longer and it pollutes the atmosphere a lot less. So where do you guys then get all of these oil? Can like, I know there's some crazy birds that's been asking me, what do I do with my cooking oil? Like, is there a specific location here in the UAE that we can maybe drop off our not, like cooking oils? Not or? yet, but some of the municipalities are looking at setting up collection points for it. When I tell you that we're producing hundreds of thousands of liters a month, this is a lot more than you're going to be collecting from home, a lot more than your domestic kitchen is going to be producing. And it's not simply financially viable to go around and collect it from everybody at home. But for restaurants and hotels and indeed the industrial food processes here, we can make a really good business out of converting their waste. And many of them have their own usage for that fuel. So they have staff transport vehicles, they have delivery trucks, they even have school buses. So we provide the fuel for them. Wow, that's amazing. Well, I definitely think it would be great to have more options. Maybe we'll have a biofuel station one day. <laughs> so Carl, you have also created a highly innovative strategy to turn human feces into reusable energy. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Well, yes, it's not particularly palatable subject, but one of the challenges of uh, biofuels is you've got to have a good source of waste in order to be able to convert lots and lots of fuel. So today we are converting about 10% of Dubai's waste into biofuel, and we're producing about a quarter of 1% of Dubai's diesel demand. So we really need to grow a lot more. But if we're only doing a quarter of 1% today and we're using 10% of the available waste oil to do it, that would mean that we could only get to 2.5% of Dubai's demand if we processed all of the waste oil. So a few years ago, we started looking for other waste oils that are available in large volumes. And we found, and it may sicken some of your crazy birds, but this is the truth, when you go out and eat lots and lots of french fries or potato crisps or even the burgers that you like eating or steak or anything that's got a high fat content your body doesn't digest all of that fat it flows through your system and comes out in the toilet when it goes down the toilet it then goes through the sewage system and ends up at the wastewater treatment plant and at that wastewater treatment plant there is a large quantity of that oil that's available and it actually causes problems for the wastewater treatment cycle. So 
they try and get rid of it as much as they can. We found a way a couple of years ago of using a very innovative process. It uses an enzyme derived from a fungus that actually attacks that waste oil and turns it directly into biodiesel. And it does it with a very high efficiency. We managed to get it up to 93% efficiency. And that gives us an ability to scale our biofuel production to any city that has a centralized waste water treatment plant and produce a fuel that when it burns is clean and green. And this, I think, is pretty revolutionary. The technology and all the investigation was done by our team of chemical engineers and to look at the UN SDGs. All of our chemical engineers are ladies. They're all Arabic speaking and they're all fabulous. Wow, <laughs> that's wonderful. And I think it's really great to see that, you know, you guys are literally taking these waste and actually turn it into something amazing. Because one of the things that's very interesting for me is I get a lot of people that say, oh, plastic, we need to recycle this, we need to recycle this. And we're actually just downgrading every time, you know, we it's not getting to a better quality. But when you take a product like this human thesis, you know, it actually is now now a really good and viable product and there's not you know that much that had to go bad to really get in there well, the thing is that most people when they look at recycling unfortunately they don't take a, a sort of detailed engineering look at it many of the products that we talk about recycling today it takes more energy to recycle them than to start with a new one and Actually, when we talk about saving the planet, saving climate change, saving carbon footprint, what we actually need to be doing is saving energy. So recycling something and using more energy to recycle it is actually a bad thing. And most people don't realize that. So taking something that's already performed its primary function, food, and is gone into the waste system. And if it was normally allowed to process in the waste system, it would turn into something like methane gas, which is 23 or 24 times worse than carbon dioxide as a greenhouse gas. If you can stop it from getting to methane in the first place and convert it into something that we desperately need, which is clean green fuels. And when those clean green fuels are burnt in your engine, first of all, the energy is released and turned into motion. But secondly, what comes out of the tailpipe of the vehicle is carbon monoxide and carbon dioxide. Yes, it's bad still but it's not as bad as methane. And so we end up with a dramatic reduction in carbon footprint using a waste material as a feedstock. Wow. And so far, what has been some of the feedback that you've received from clients from all of the work that you guys are doing with the biofuel? The normal response when we tell people, we can provide you with a clean green fuel that has almost no carbon footprint, that is roughly the same price you're currently paying, and gives you the same amount of fuel economy, works in your engine without you changing anything, and makes your engine last longer. Their question is, why isn't everybody using this? And that's the predominant feedback. It takes one or two sentences to explain it to people, and their conclusion is, my gosh, everybody should be doing this. But we can't get our message out to everybody, which is why it's such a great opportunity to talk to your audience and talk to the crazy birds, and they can go and spread the message as well. All of the information about our business is available on our website and on our Facebook and on our Twitter feed and on Instagram. You can follow us everywhere. We're trying to explain to as many people as possible, this is the way to go. We're scaling the business as fast as we can. We've grown the business over a thousand percent in the last five years, which by anybody's entrepreneurial growth trajectories is pretty good. We plan on continuing to grow at a quite scary pace and to build more of our facilities around the region. 
so how can our community actually get involved in the product or in the projects that you are working on? Well, they can encourage the organizations that they work for to take a bigger look at the way that they address climate change. I've had meetings with large organizations that say, we've got a sustainability agenda and we write an annual report. And I said to them, guys, you just don't understand how important this is. The last six months of 2018 have been really, really game-changing for many large organizations. I think they've finally realized that this is not just a nice-to-have anymore. Most of them have realized that, that sustainability and climate change strategies are not part of a nice-to-have CSR policy. This is a fundamental shift in the way that they have to change their business. And if it's not being driven by the CEO, then he hasn't understood because it only comes from top down and it has such a massive impact on so many areas of business that it has to be driven from the top. So to the crazy birds out there, find your CEO and make sure that he has a full understanding that we need to change dramatically. We've taken 140 years to become addicted to fossil fuels. And according to the United Nations, we've got 22 years to stop using them. So if that's the United Nations, which are not crazy birds, they're not crazy, they are a bunch of politicians, scientists, and very intelligent people. If they are telling me I have 22 years to save the planet, I'm not gonna be the one to disagree with them. The people that actually take this challenge seriously are not crazy in the slightest. In fact, it's everybody else in the world that's crazy. And I get up every morning and I still don't understand. We have a relatively short period of time to protect the only planet we can live on. And I don't know why this isn't number one on everybody's agenda. They get up in the morning and they say, oh, it's more important I drive my V8 down the road and I have a nice fast car and I can eat all the food I want and I can waste all the energy I like. I don't understand why people don't make this the number one priority. I know I'm maybe a bit of a zealot in this and people think I'm a little bit, but I'm not. I'm a normal businessman who's just said, hang on. In the next 20 years, our entire global economy is going to change. We're going to change in 20 years what we spent at least 140 and probably 300 years putting together in terms of the economy. If this isn't the biggest opportunity you've ever seen in your entire life, you're not looking hard enough. Because as entrepreneurs, we relish change. We relish people saying we need to do things differently because entrepreneurs are really good at innovating and thinking of different ways of doing things. So... My call for all of those people funding entrepreneurs and startups, that's venture capital, seed capital, private equity, for the next 20 years, don't invest in anything else. The only thing that we must be investing in is things that help save our planet. Exactly. No, definitely. I feel, you know, for all of these like crazy birds that we have, I think a lot of us are being called crazy because we believe in obviously saving this planet. And unfortunately, the majority of people out there is not. I think it takes some crazy dedication to also be able to wake up every morning and to know that, you know, we're fighting a battle and we just need to do it what we do every single day and if we all actually do something like I mean if like what your company is doing as well if we all just do our part and do more and get other people involved to come and join I'm sure we'd be able to be in a better situation but yeah the time of sitting back and you know 
thinking this is someone else's problem. It's unfortunately, it's not. It's a problem that's going to be here in 22 years where if we don't make that switch, we're kind of screwed. So I'm glad to see like more electric vehicles are also coming. And I mean, we've got a lot of cars that is existing that it's easy to make the switch to just like biofuel. So the options are available. People just need to use them. So I believe that climate change is anthropogenic, but the causes of anthropogenic climate change are actually business decisions. And I believe that if business has decided to do things in a, a dirty way, that business could also decide to do things in a clean way. So my call out to all of your audience is please get your own business or your husband or wife's business to just realize they need to change their business decisions. Because any one business will have hundreds, thousands, or tens of thousands of customers. So one change at the heart of the business can impact tens of thousands of people. And that scaling of change is what we need to do. Please continue to recycle everything you can and compost what you can and put your aluminium cans in an aluminium recycling. Yeah, that's all good stuff. But in terms of saving the planet in 22 years, we've got to go bigger. It's got to go big or go home. What has been one of your most important decisions that you have made around Mama Earth? The biggest decision I made was to start the Neutral Group after more than 20 years of starting and growing companies and to dedicate the rest of my natural days to this problem. I think that I've got energy, I've got resources, I've got some talent and that if I only dedicate myself to one task, I think I can make a big difference. I'm keeping score at the moment. I reckon at the moment we're at about 10.5 million tonnes of carbon dioxide saved as a result of the actions that we've taken. I think that that is a good number. I'd sooner it was in the hundreds of millions. And I believe that if I keep doing what I'm doing, I will make a difference. Ultimately, I want my kids to be proud of what I've done. I don't want them to ask me when they've got their kids, Daddy, what did you do? about climate change because I want them to know. I want them to be shouting from the rooftops that our family has made a difference. Oh, that's wonderful. And now we are going to move into our final five. So it's the same five questions I ask every single guest. And the first one is, what is one social media account that you follow? LinkedIn. Is there a specific person that you follow in LinkedIn that we can all learn from? Sadly, no. The only person I follow is me. <laughs> It's partly because I'm, I'm not because I'm necessarily arrogant. It's because I actually don't really trust a lot of other people. Many people have thought about this challenge incorrectly for a long time. And many people also have some pretty radical views that are not necessarily in compliance with my religious and ethical views. So I want to be the person who's actually leading the debate on this because I can only really trust myself. And what is your hope for Mama Earth going forward? I seriously hope that I can persuade most of the world's businesses to take this decision correctly. We, we are not going to save the planet unless businesses work together on doing this. And what advice can you give our crazy birds this week to help out Mama Earth? Well, if you're in Dubai, the best advice I can tell you is get a cover for your swimming pool. I know this may sound nuts, but many of us have kids and many of us like having swimming pools. And you can lose about 10% of the volume of your swimming pool every month by evaporation. If you put a cover on it, it won't evaporate. You don't waste the water, but worse than that, you don't waste the heated water that took lots of electricity in order to both desalinate in the first place and then heat it up to a temperature where your kids want to swim in it. So the lack of swimming pool covers in this country drives me nuts. Of course, if you really want to go radical, 
don't have a swimming pool at all. But if you've got one, put a cover on it. Okay. And what is one sustainability fact that you like to use in a room with people not yet on a sustainable journey? 71% of greenhouse gas emissions since 1988 have come from 100 companies. Where can people find you? Find me at carlwfielder.com or you can find me at neutralfuels.com. You can find me at tng.ae. You can find me on LinkedIn, on Facebook, everywhere. I'm just scarily out there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We really appreciate it and sharing all your knowledge. And I'm sure people are going to look different at that fries now. They're going to know that their McDonald's fries are fueling the cars as well. So thank you so much for that. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes for this episode at mamaearthtalk.com. Follow at Design by Mariska on Instagram or email hello at mamaearthtalk.com. And let me know if there's a topic you'd like me to talk about. I love hearing from all you crazy birds. New episodes are uploaded every Monday with a bonus Top Tip Thursday every Thursday. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything. Mama Earth has a voice and it's us crazy birds. Thank you.